Welcome to Deep Dive MKE, a podcast that explores how City on a Hill is transforming communities and families worldwide. Join us as we dive deep into conversations with individuals who understand the journey out of generational poverty and its trauma. I'm your host, Art Serna. Let's dive deep. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Deep Dive MKE podcast. I'm your host, Art Serna, CEO of City on a Hill. This is a special episode for me. We're actually recognizing and celebrating this month, Make-A-Will Month. So it's about legacy giving and making a big impact in communities. And for us, it's also a core value of City on a Hill, which is generosity. So I am thrilled to have somebody with the expertise of Linda Maris, who's the president of the National Christian Foundation in Wisconsin, previously an attorney, but she's spent the bulk of this recent part of her journey leading this organization. And they are one of the largest, if not the largest, a Christian grant maker managing those funds in the world. And she can tell you more about it, but they're doing phenomenal work in Wisconsin and helping people make an impact in the world. So Linda, welcome to the Deep Dive MKE podcast. Tell us a little bit more about how you got your journey to the role of president of NCF in Wisconsin. Yeah, thank you, Art. Um, really happy to be here. I'm just a huge fan of City on a Hill. I'll just say that, number one. You know, life's a journey. I practiced law for 25 five years, was searching more for meaning and purpose in my life, prayed a long time that God would show me what he had planned for me. And this opportunity opened up and I didn't think it was what he had planned. And so I resisted a little bit and he showed me how clearly it is. And so I've been here for 15 years. Wow. You know, I know the feeling I when I've been here now, it was this week, actually, three years in Wisconsin. And I remember being in Oklahoma City and grappling with the decision of moving my family from South to the Midwest. and But in prayer, God defined, this is where I want you in the next chapter of your life. So tell us some more about the scale of NCF in Wisconsin. How big is it? What is your function? What is your role? So NCF started in 1982 in Atlanta. We have 30 offices around the country. And so I've been running the Wisconsin office for 15 years. By the largest grant maker in the world, it's donor-based. Donors use our donor-advised funds to do their granting. And so it's like a charitable checking account that they can use. So we don't give ourselves. We honor the donor's wishes as long as they're part of the criteria of what we do. And I will say, you know, it's make a will month, um, which is really relevant in my life right now. Two incidents my mom passed in May after actually we just saw each other back at the breakfast. And she had a very well-drafted estate plan that has gone really well. Just last week, my 39-year-old nephew passed unexpectedly. He did not have a will, and it's a big burden on the family. So it's hard enough, you know, getting through that grief. But encouraging people to draft wills, they're not that hard to do. If you have big estates, you know, you should get some legal advice. But it really is a gift to the family to do that for them. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that very deep. I, I, I just can't imagine in the proximity of time for you. So we're with you in that journey. You know, I remember when we first got married before my first son was born, my father-in-law passed and, and walking that journey of, and a life with him. But he had done well for himself and he, he made sure that his wife was well taken care of. But it was a difficult journey to go through. But he, he was very generous in the latter part of his life, really committed to his walk with the Lord. And so I observed that walking with him and now 
how many years later, now my son is now 14 years later, how his wife has continued to be able to do well in life because of his diligence at that time. Uh, we like to say the work of City on a Hill, as stated in our new vision after 22 years, really sought the face of God. Like, what would you want us to do for this next chapter as I came on after an incredible leader in Diane setting a strong foundation for us over 20 plus years and really felt challenged. So if people don't know, if you've never been to City on a Hill, we inherited over 300,000 square feet of property. And in that, it's make, putting that property to the best use to help families thrive. That also takes a lot of commitment to maintain such a facility over time. Now, we don't manage all of it anymore. It's over 100,000 square feet. But people always ask me, like, what are the needs of City on a Hill? And often we talk about programmatic needs and like needs, the basic needs of individuals. But what's also true is our team, well, we, we have this massive facility. And I think helping people educate people on the power of legacy giving, state giving, non-cash giving, how can their giving go beyond them and leave a lasting legacy? So I've heard of this. I would love your perspective as I meet with my board members to talk about this concept of looking at the demographics in America. And we've heard some churches begin to talk about this, the this coming generational shift that's coming and a massive transfer of wealth. Is, is that a thing? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Tell us more about that. Um, so it's real. <laughs> it's called the Great Wealth Transfer. And, you know, we started to hear about it 20 years ago, and I'm, I, I didn't believe it at the time. It's like, how can they track it? How can they know the numbers? And now as we're closer to it, actually the train has left the station, and they're pretty dialed into what's going to happen. If you think about the baby boomer generation post-World War II, a huge opportunity in growth in real estate, in manufacturing, advent of 401k plans in the 60s. And so there's just been a huge opportunity for the baby boomers to build wealth. What's happening now is they're starting to transfer that wealth and they're anticipating in the United States somewhere between 70 and $80 trillion, which is hard to wrap your head around. Like I can't even explain what a trillion dollars, you know? Yeah. So I was listening to a podcast out of Canada and they were so excited about the great wealth transfer. And at the end of the program, they said, it's going to be a trillion dollars in Canada. And I'm thinking it's 70 to 80 trillion in the United States. The opportunity that the baby boomers had here in the United States was not similar to what was going on in Europe, just because they were rebuilding after the war. And so it really is this unique thing in the United States, for sure. And so they're anticipating within the next five to six years, as the transfer of wealth happens with the baby boomers, their wealth is declining. Millennials are primarily going to get that transfer, and millennials will be the richest generation in history in six, six or seven years. It's quick. It's coming. And so part of the conversation um, with charities and ministries is that, you know, 12 plus trillion will be transferred through legacy gifts to charities and preparing organizations to know what's coming and to ask for these legacy gifts through estate plans and then to show that they can be good stewards of those dollars because the dollars are going to go somewhere. Typically, people think more about universities, hospitals, large national organizations, but a tremendous amount of impact can be made locally in smaller ministries. Um, it doesn't have to be your entire estate or 10% or 20%. 
you know, it, it can be significant gifts to ministries that will change communities. You know, for us, the power of the individual donor has been so transformative in churches to City on Hill's journey over the last 22 years. And I think for now at this chapter, we would love to be able to revitalize this, the capacity of this facility to add value to Milwaukee. And, and we're right now about childhood poverty. We believe that it's doable. The data is showing that it is doable, but it is a long-term commitment. It is 10, 20, 30 year commitment, given if you understand and research a history of how things got to be, and you and I have been in other, we've unpacked some of that history in, in the U.S. And, and I believe it, there is such a unique role uh, for Christian donors and givers and volunteers to lean into this problem uh, over the next decade and beyond and really reshape the future of cities. And, and in that, I think this concept of generosity, not just financial, but in, in terms of their lifestyle and volunteering. So I would love to hear from you, Linda, like oftentimes, I've had individuals that come, they do some short-term mission for a week or go through a poverty simulation and, and something just clicks in their heart, in their mind. They build this empathy that somehow they lacked and it gives them purpose and they continue to come, right? And they talk to other people and they become donors and they start giving. And I'm, I'm thinking several folks that we will feature in the podcast soon. And, and it does something in, in their life and where they spend their time. So when you talk to donors, and as you educate and support donors, Donors that, that have donor advice funds with NCF, are, are there stories or anecdotes of the journey that you've seen in people, how, how they think about their innate desire to do good and the practical steps you can give them to actually how to make that happen? Yeah, for sure. So NCF did a poll with um, the Gallup Institute, big organization, about a year and a half ago now, and they st it was the largest study of Christian giving or Christian generosity that had ever been done. And the number one reason why Christians give is to have meaning in their life, meaning and purpose. So, you know, we are wired and created by a God who wants us to be generous, who wants us um, to be full and have purpose. And by being open-handed and sharing with others, that can provide that. And so we talk about, you know, generosity as being transformational, and it really is growth of the heart, and it's a heart issue. And so your your example is a perfect example. We see that all the time. And I met a lady one time at a conference who could very easily write a check for $10,000. Didn't even have to ask her spouse, her husband, and she would write the check. And she was so sad because it didn't give her meaning. And so she was looking for purpose. And so starting out small by being involved in the organization, getting to know it, trusting the leaders, and really the transformation is a spiritual thing, right? So so that spiritually God transforms you. And so your story is perfect. You know, somebody that comes and learns and then they find something that's missing in their life and they have not only excess during their life, but maybe excess in their estate. So, you know, at NCF, we talk about generosity during life so much and being generous and living that joyful, generous life and being good stewards of those dollars and how to structure those gifts. I think where we are behind a little bit is talking about being a good steward at death as well and doing the proper planning and ensuring success through an estate plan and, you know, to carry on that legacy after the parties are gone. 
So when you think about, you, you mentioned the example, like a, a, this female individual, what I've known a lot in my nonprofit career is, at least in the places I've been, is the, the volunteer base and the don individual donor base tends to be highly represented by women. And even individuals, families of wealth, oftentimes if I talk to someone, the male figure, they're like, well, so-and-so handles the giving to philanthropy, to social impact causes. So as you think about the great wealth transfer and just the Christian donor base, what do you think is the role of women and, and how do they, how should somebody like in my seat think about being supportive given their desire to find purpose? Like, Just tell us more about the role of women in philanthropy in, in this current state, at least in America. Yeah, for sure. And studies bear that out. Studies say that women typically are more generous than men. I don't know if this a nurturing thing, you know, I don't know why. Um, and then the other interesting thing is um, Christian women, they say, are three times as more generous as the normal population or the overall population. So God is, to, you know, is really working through women to move this generosity front forward, number one. You're right on target with women because they say women will inherit 70% 70, 70 of the great wealth transfer. And part of that is because of life expectancies. You know, if somebody's married, typically the male passes first. So the transfer goes at that point, And then when the mom dies, then it goes to the kids. That's not every family, obviously. So it, it is a perfect opportunity, I would say, to give opportunities for women to learn not only about how to volunteer, but to learn about leadership, to learn about the problems in Milwaukee. You know, you did a great series last year around poverty and how you address it. And sometimes the problem just seems so big, people give up hope. But if you can show little by little how things can change, it will be a journey that they'll come along on. Yeah. So let's take that on. That's perfect. So you and I were recently in Milwaukee. We talk about the reduction of childhood poverty in, in Milwaukee and the eradication of it in the families that we serve. And again, that's a long-term commitment, but it takes economic development, bringing into neighborhoods things that are lacking and elevating leaders, small business owners. But at times, it, unless you've been through it, it's really difficult to believe that it can be done, right? Like it's, I can't understand that perspective. I've heard of donor fatigue, compassion fatigue, and that may or may not be a thing, but I've heard of it. Like, wow, this is a difficult problem, right? We want to see measurable results. So you and I were at this thing, the, the Upstart Kitchen in the grocery store. And I think you have some knowledge of that in, in terms of like, we, we're beginning to see pockets where philanthropy and donor giving is helping some of these prototypes surface in places that otherwise wouldn't have happened. How do you think about that? What, what do you think? What's the value, I guess, that's informing people that are making that possible, people like Bishop Walter Harvey? Yeah, for the community, you know, success breeds success. It takes a really a courageous person to do city transformation. It's really hard work. Um, I think what's happening there in Sherman Park is a combination of business and church and ministry. Something really special is happen happening there, led by strong leaders and led by strong, courageous business individuals that are willing to put up capital to start those kinds of businesses. They're figuring out how to do it and what will be successful that hopefully can be duplicated in other parts of the city. And so I think as those leaders emerge, it's inspiring. It's inspiring, you know, to know who they are and to share their story and 
and it gives hope that it can happen elsewhere. Yeah. How do you think about that donor that's going to be listening to this on, on two places? How would you talk to a donor about their journey in finding purpose and meaning in life? And then two, the practicals, if they're thinking about making like the largest gift they've ever given to something and looking at their assets, what are some practical steps they could take to help define, like take an action step? Yeah. So first of all, you know, finding purpose and meaning, you got to make it as a priority you know, not to become complacent and to try different things. It may not work the first time you go out and volunteer. You may not like the first leader that you meet, but get involved and be active. And also, you know, collaboration with friends or doing it with friends is important to get feedback. Women like to do things like that with friends, right? From a practical standpoint, you know, there are experts that are all in that same realm. There's the estate planning attorney who can show you how to best structure the will or the, you know, the trust. There's a financial advisor who's going to tell you what you need for your security and your family security and what you have as excess. You know, the wealth we have here, even in Milwaukee, where sometimes it, you don't see it and sometimes it looks like there's so much poverty. We have a lot of wealth here. And so to figure out what that excess is and, and to give up that fear of I may not have enough or what if there's an emergency, right? And then the expertise at NCF is just to kind of show you how to structure the charitable component because there are best ways to do that from a tax impact. And the resourcing we have will show what others might be doing and how others have done it. What role do you think churches play? In this whole journey of generosity, as we get ready for the great wealth transfer, like upon us now, I imagine in some contexts it's already happening. What is the role of churches, in your opinion? I think it's ultimately the first stop. I mean, the churches should be talking about the spiritual component of generosity because really that's what it is. You know, you have a spirit of generosity, or you. Um, you have that calling. And so it's, you know, it kind of starts with the church, starts from a spiritual base. And then many churches and ministries are not talking about the great wealth transfer. And so I'm concerned about it because there will be a lot of transfer to charitable organizations. And you just think about the impact that can be made in, in the kingdom or in the church with that. And so they need to be planning and asking. And so I'm, I'm doing a lot more consulting and speaking to churches, just what is it? How do we do it? Now, I can't go in and run the program, obviously. We don't have that capacity, but training staff, getting some resourcing around how you set up a plan giving program. So it's really two components. Like, you know, if you look at City on a Hill, you've got the vision, you can share the data, you know what you want to do. You, you can make the ask, say, please support us with either a gift now or an estate gift. And you can show how you're going to stir up those dollars and, and be good leadership around it. As we come to a close, I just want to give you the last opportunity, one, to how do they get a hold of you at NCF or is there a website? And then what gives you hope about the opportunity for Christians to lean into this great transfer and what they, that could mean for cities going forward? Yeah, so we're the National Christian Foundation, Wisconsin, ncfgiving.com slash Wisconsin, or it's really easy to find us, you know, on Google. And I joke with my husband. He's one that his cup is just usually half full and my cup is usually overflowing. So I just think, you know, we have a God of hope. And that's where I go. 
So there is a lot of hope. I think there's the resourcing out there. NCF is a huge free, like we are a ministry. We don't charge for most of the services that we do because our funding comes through our, you know, fees on the donor advice fund. So huge resource that can lean into the church and provide that education. And I have hope because I see leaders like you and I see what, you know, the transformational work that City on Hill is doing. It's hard, but there are examples here in Milwaukee of it. So I am a hopeful person in that respect. Well, we appreciate having you in our corner and being able to gain from your wisdom. So thank you for your support and being present here. Thank you. And I encourage everyone to and leverage these resources that Linda has talked about. And then also we encourage you to continue to follow our podcast. And you can go to cityonahillmke.org. That's cityonahillmke.org. Scroll to the bottom of that page and it will be a connect with us info sheet. You can give us your information and that will make sure that you can get the updates as we release new podcast episodes. Thank you so much. Again, remember, make a will month, go learn about this great wealth transfer. And we encourage you to spread the word, share this episode and encourage people to get involved in the eradication of childhood poverty in Milwaukee with City on a Hill. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for your time and attention. Through the inspiring stories of courage, wisdom, generosity, and joy, we demonstrate how City on a Hill and our network is advancing justice and working towards a world free from poverty. This work highlights the cultural pillars of City on a Hill, loving, listening, learning, and leading. We can't do what we do without you. Remember to join the email list to stay in the loop on the important work City on a Hill is doing in your community. Till our next dive, stay courageous.